0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to Spear Factor. Today's guest is Mr., I guess not Mr., but Captain uh, Matt from BoatBuyersSecretWeapon.com. He's not a spear fisherman, however, he's spent the majority of his life you know, dealing with boats and growing up around boats. And I had him come on the show to be able to share some of the his knowledge through years of doing those things and like get rid of some of the tribal knowledge that some of us that have grown up on boats understand and it seems like it's totally second nature, but to a guy that literally just went out and purchased or getting in a boats for the first time has no idea what to expect or just may not be aware of it. So bit of a different show today but hopefully you guys will find it really helpful and useful all right here we go and now i'd like to thank our sponsor mr ted hardy of immersion freediving Uh, enter promo code spearfactor for 15 percent off uh, on his 28 day free diving transformation course and uh, it's pretty awesome i've used it and i recommend it so you can find this course and the other courses ted puts out for us at freedivingsafety.com um, like i said enter the promo code spear factor for the discount and thanks ted for sponsoring the show our next sponsor is hot rod spear guns uh paul has offered us 10 percent discount with a promo code spear factor so thanks paul for making badass guns and uh providing a hookup for our listeners and kamiras side slip so, Kamira side slip. You can purchase those at Kamira Spearfishing. That's K-I-M-E-R-A. And basically, I've talked about the side slip before on the show. It's kind of the benefits of a slip tip without worrying about breaking your tip hunting around rocks. Uh, it replaces the flopper with a side slip. Uh, check it out more at the website. And if you use promo code Spearfactor, all lowercase at checkout they'll give you 5% off. And our last sponsor is one drop spear fishing, basically an environmentally minded group of guys that love to dive live and breathe it. But their whole focus is feeding friends and family and enjoying their time in the water. Nothing more, nothing less, um, solid group of guys, and uh, check out their website one drop Fishing. check them out on youtube one drop Fishing. and if you'd like to uh sponsor spear factor podcast feel free uh you can go ahead and shoot me a note on the website spearfactor.com thank you all right hello everyone welcome back to the spear factor Fishing spear podcast today we have a uh a special guest um, it's kind of a unique guest for us. He's a expert, uh, boating guy. I don't even know how to say, it, say it, <laughs> um, just a wealth of knowledge. And so I did want to have him on the show to share with some of the guys that maybe it's not, uh, like there's a lot of tribal knowledge out there with boats. So uh, I thought we could share that with you guys. So, uh, captain Matt, thanks for being on the show.
2: Yeah. I, I appreciate you inviting me.
1: No, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, just to start with, so everybody knows, like, who is Captain Matt? What's your background and, and your experience and 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 all of that stuff?
2: Sure. So my family bought our first boat when I was five years old. Uh, you know, I vividly remember the day that uh, my uncle and um, cousins, they had a boat, and they kind of talked my mom and dad into it. We went to their small little town in Nebraska, and I remember, you know, peering over the edge of the 16-foot Larson Tri-Hall, It had an 85 Mercury outboard, and I was like, oh, my, we just hit the jackpot. Mom and dad are getting a boat, and it is going to be amazing. Uh, From that day forward, we've been a boating family, Um, and multiple boats, uh, lake house down at the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. Um, I moved out to the Carolinas where there's a bunch of really nice lakes three hours from the coast here, and uh, I, I continued that and even got into the boating industry back in, I guess, 2009. Um, I had a a business that closed down. I'm like, what do I want to do? Well, what I always do, I go to the lake. That's where I go to think when things are bad. That's where I go to have a great time and make memories. And uh, so I got into the boating industry um, in 2009 and sold boats. So I had had the opportunity to go travel and visit factories talk to people that have been in the industry for 50 years and uh just learned a ton and and continued on
1: uh no that's a good um i like what you you kind of brought up we talk a lot about salt water but you brought up fresh water and for any new boater I, I would say it's the it's much i guess there's a, it's it's a lot safer <laughs> and it's much uh it, you can learn just as much as you can on saltwater or on freshwater as you can saltwater as far as operating boats. And to be honest with you, it's probably a little safer. Uh, I always
2: tell, I always tell my friends that are saltwater. I'm like, we got it easy. You know, we, we go out, you can almost always see land unless you're on the great lakes or something. You know, there's, there's no tides to worry about the, we don't have to worry about the salt and all the maintenance that comes along with that. Um, we're yeah we're we're never i'm very seldom would i have to call the coast guard (laughs) for anything and uh you know you were telling the story before we got started in the green room about you know your adventure with a, a steering cable going out and uh you know we have it a lot easier on the inland lakes um other than some of the great lakes but um but you guys have a lot more cool stuff in the in the saltwater environment dolphins you know Swimming off your bow and uh you know down to the the Carolina coast manatees and the wildlife and its um yeah, so each is great, it was just a matter of of what you grew up with and what you enjoy, but I think we've got it easier it's an easier way of boating in the freshwater lakes
1: well, and I think the thing to remember too is uh operating a boat is operating a boat um and it's kind of, I remember like, like your story being four years old and we got a boat, you know, and we would go water skiing and I learned how to water ski at four and all that stuff. And you learn how to drive a boat with, you know, with not as bad sea state, even though the wind can get real nasty, um, out in the desert or, uh, you know, wherever the lake you're at it, but operating a boat is operating a boat. And, you know, a real quick story was like, I had a friend that owned a boat for like a year and we were heading out shore and he, He didn't have the swim tabs down, (laughs) trim tabs down and he's growing. And we're just like, and so I said, Hey, do you mind if I show you something? Cause I don't want to, you know, come across as a, you know, know it all. He's like, no, absolutely. And I just put the tabs down and we just kind of leveled out and just, and he's like, are you kidding me? I've been doing with this for a year and it kind (laughs) of was like a light bulb that went off that like, Hey, you know, not ever like, how was he supposed to know this? Like he didn't grow up on a lake, on a a lake with a boat or saltwater fishing or any of that. So what are some of the things like, and you've talked about this quite a bit on your YouTube channel, I think too, as far as when you go to buy a boat, what are the things that you consider?
2: Well, the, if you go boat buyer secret weapon, I've got over 200 videos and I try to not just think about what I like because there's what my family does. And you know there's the spear fishing, there's saltwater fishing there's I want to be a wakeboarder. so one of the first things i I encourage people to do is just slow down, don't go by the first shiny boat that you see that you fall in love with um think about how do we really see ourselves getting out of the water and what do we see ourselves doing what What does the water look like around us? Am I at the coast? am I have to boat on a river? Do I boat on a lake, a big lake, a little lake um can I go out during the week, or am I going out on a Saturday afternoon? Am I like my wife and I if we like just our family my brother, my brother wants to invite everybody he's ever met out on the boat with them and put twenty people on and If you start with that and think about what does eighty percent of my boating look like? Um, I think that's a great place to start to get you down the right path um, because that's one of the bigger mistakes you see people making is. They, they buy the wrong boat for what they're wanting to do.
1: That's, that's a solid point. Cause uh, I remember reading an article years ago before I bought a boat in saltwater magazine. And it was, um, it was, you know, one of the tips was don't buy too much boat. Like, um, so like you're saying 80%, right? 80%, I'm going to go offshore for a day for like eight hours, 10 hours and fish and come back. Um, and that's what I'm going to do now. The other 20% is oh, I want to be able to spend the night at the Island. I want to be able to do that. And then you start, I want to be able to go out to Cortez bank, which is a hundred miles offshore and all these things. And now all of a sudden you start thinking, Oh, it'd be nice to have this. It'd be nice to have this. And now your boat, um, I guess your boat price just went quite like doubled. Yeah. And your maintenance doubles because yep. now you want two engines <laughs> And the more things and bells and whistles you have on your boat, like I would say, just like a car, the more shit to break.
2: Yeah. And it it interferes on that 80 percent. You know, you start putting all those extra things on for, oh, we might overnight or we might have all of our family come into town and put 12 people on the boat. And now it's not right for that 80 percent, which turns out to be what you do 95 percent of the time, you know, once you do get <laughs> the boat and you you settle in. But the other advice I give people is if you've never done it before, go out and rent a boat. Think about that and think about what it would look like. Well, maybe a pontoon, maybe a deck boat, you know, maybe a center console or a walk around a cruise or whatever it is. And with, um, you know, Boat Setter, who was on uh, their peer-to-peer rental company, um, they were in my U.S. Boat Expo, which is just a, I interviewed a bunch of industry experts to share their knowledge. Because I have a lot of knowledge, but it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the boating knowledge that's out there. And uh, so I interviewed a bunch of different people and Boat Center participated in that. Get My Boat is another one, kind of like Airbnb for boats. And um, so you can rent virtually any boat that you could conceivably want to go out on for four or 500 bucks. And now you can spend a day and say, Ooh, I really thought we were going to enjoy this. And you get out there and you love it, or you don't. But now you spent five hundred bucks to learn that versus buying a twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollar boat and then learning it a little too late after that check's been written.
1: Uh, th- there's that, and also people forget about the fuel consumption. You know, absolutely, <laughs> like that. If you can't afford to take your boat out, then it doesn't really do you any good. Because I know, I mean, we spent over four hundred dollars in gas last time we went for tuna, and. um You know that, and then you come home empty-handed. That only goes so far, so many times. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, you you've got to consider budget as well. So you start with lifestyle, and then you have to think about money. But like you said, with fuel consumption, it's not just the boat cost or the boat payment and fuel. You've got insurance. Where are you going to store the boat? Um, What kind of maintenance is going to be required if you add that second engine? Guess what? You got to do it twice every year, um, but it doesn't stop there. Now you've got gear. I mean, how much money do you have rolled up in fishing gear and and uh, spearfishing equipment? I mean, it thousands. it can add up. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, thousands. I
2: didn't want your wife to hear the real number, but <laughs> yeah, it adds up quick. Um, and whether if you're you know for me, we spent you know I bet a thousand dollars on floats and tubes and water skis and wakeboards and life jackets, the stuff you you want to have and got to have and then you get a $800 lily pad to go out on the freshwater lakes As popular um you know or your fishing gear which you know you never stop buying that stuff and so you've got to look at that whole thing it's one of the reasons I created the um I call it a boat buyer's toolkit which is it just helps people go through, and there's a cost of ownership calculator with it. you can get it for free um, at my website um, boatburesecretweapon dot com slash toolkit and it you can plug in your numbers and so now you have a full picture of what is this boat really going to cost us not just you know the surface numbers, but all in I mean in San Diego, what's it cost to store a boat at a marina It's about
1: oh, at a marina. Oh, or uh,
2: anywhere. I mean,
1: 500 and up, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, just to keep it on land around here, uh, it's like 200, you know, it's around $200. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a
2: kid, we, we kept our boat in the driveway, which is free, but there's not many places you can do that around unless you have some land and, and you're not in an HOA. So you've got to think about all of those things, the lifestyle, and then you move to the budget. And now you can start looking for boats. You know, now you get on Boat Trader. Now you go Craigslist and go to dealers and go to boat shows. Um, But now you're going to avoid a lot of the mistakes that people make. There's still plenty pitfalls that you got to watch out for, but you've got yourself on the right path.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I see with people that didn't grow up on the water. They go on a boat once or twice and they're like, we need to get a boat. And I was like, oh, no, you're going to be selling it in a year. Like, because people don't see that the, besides all the expenses, the post care, the post maintenance, the pre-maintenance and all of that. And if you're going out just to basically like booze cruise or just going around having a good day on a Sunday, that starts to add up where it's like, I probably could just rent a boat for that mm-hmm. price, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, I battle with that decision. <laughs> quite a bit still to this day where I was like, man, even if I paid $500 for a charter um, a month, it would probably really break even depending on, you know, the boat situation and what's going on with the boat. Is that easier? Cause when you pay for a charter, you can walk on and walk off.
2: Yeah. that's it. And I, I talk about this because I, I think it's unfair to say you have to own the boat. I like the idea of boat freedom. I boat when I want, how I want, keep the gear on the boat that you want, and you just, you know, step on trailer it go um versus the rental. But now I can rent it two, three, four times a year. It's probably cheaper. Um, you know, I can do a boat club, which is more expensive, but all that maintenance and stuff goes away, but you don't have that freedom and access as much. Or you can own your boat. Um and you just have to decide which of those three is right for you. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think it it depends. And it might be seasons in your life where, you know, renting works out great for me right now. Um, Owning works out great for a phase. And, you know, maybe the boat club works when you're a little bit older and you retire and you don't want to put the effort in. Um, But you you think about all those options. And now when you do go out, you can really enjoy your boat. You're not thinking about, oh, crap, you know, I've got to use this thing at least three times a month. otherwise it's you know, it just just, keeps at me that I'm spending all that money or, but you know, whatever it is, but you think about those things and you you start, like you said, you don't just jump full in and say, we should buy a boat and tomorrow you go buy a boat. Like you said, it doesn't always work out. It typically ends in that boat being sold and maybe losing out on something that would have been amazing. Um, because I, for me, boating is one of the best ways to spend time with your families. And and it's one of the best recreation activities out there. Um, But you got to get into it right. And you got to make sure it fits you and your family and your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I think um, that's a really good point. Um, I think you figure it like you could, you would, like you said, you miss out on an opportunity if you, especially if you have a bad boating experience, because good luck getting your family back on the boat. Like, yes, exactly. Personal experience on that one. Um, (laughs) it might be better Well, you're all stressed out and things aren't going right. And then people get like chippy at each other and it's just not fun for anybody. Right. Yep. Um, but, uh, that's why, I mean, going to Mexico is always nice cause you just pay the guy 300 bucks and you go out for the day or whatever it is. And you know, everybody has a good time and it's so yeah. much less stress off you. No
2: scrubbing fish guts and your you know, right. you're, you no no gas filling up and maintenance and all that. Um, but you got to go on their schedule and you, you know, you got to be back when they say it's time to get back. So it's just, there's no right or wrong. Just think it through before you, before you jump right in.
1: Right. Um, and so <clears throat> is there any manufacturer, like as far as the actual boat manufacturers or things to stay away from or things to consider like, in M- like basically the pros and cons of inboards, outboards, um, diesels, things like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, Again, it goes back to the lifestyle that you're looking to do. For me, if you're in saltwater, um, outboard is probably the way to go on most boats. Maybe an inboard um, gas, if it's big enough, a diesel, they get to be expensive. For me, I would stay away from stern drives, from inboard outboards. Um, Jet drives, eh, I'm torn on that. Depends on how you're going to use it. But again, if you start with the lifestyle and where you're going to boat, how you're going to boat, it can help you kind of lead into that. I did a whole video on on propulsion systems and what's right and wrong. And, and again, there's no good one or best one. There is the right one for the way Brett's gonna vote. There's the right one for the way my family's gonna vote. And there's the right one for the way, you know, you're gonna vote. You just have to have to get that knowledge and um, listen to podcasts like this and people that have that what you call native knowledge or tribal knowledge. There's there's a lot of it out there. Um, my channel's one, your podcast, there's a bunch of other ones that are out there. Just do some research and, and slow it down a little bit at first um, to so that you can make a smart decision. So
1: as far as um, outboards for saltwater, why do you say that that's a
2: I, good one? I, I like the outboards for saltwater because if you if you think about how it works, it's sucking the water in to work as the radiator, essentially. So it's sucking that water up and into the boat or into the the head of the motor where all the heat is to cool it down. Well, as soon as you turn that off, that suction stops and gravity takes effect and it drains the water out. Now all you've got to do is you hook it up to a freshwater hose and you can rinse that out. Again, Gravity's on your side. If you think about a stern drive of the engines inside the boat, and then it's got some linkage, a hole through the bottom of the boat, and then you've got the drive, the lower unit. And it's got to suck that water up and then over and into the motor to cool it down. And gravity doesn't do anything, it it, it doesn't get it all out of there. So now you've got that salt water sitting in the sitting in your motor. Um, and, and it can cause some required maintenance. I'm not gonna say repairs, but maintenance that needs to be done every five to seven years with the risers and manifolds. I'm by no means a, a marine technician, but I know enough about it to kind of know the pitfalls. Um, and now, even when you do flush it with fresh water, that it's really tough to get all of that salt out of there, which is terrible for the internal components of the engine. Um, and that's that's a big reason I like it, uh, especially if you're going to leave the boat in the water, the inboard. Where you've got the motor inside, and now there's just a shaft that goes from the bottom of the boat um, out to the propeller. And if you're leaving it in the water, that's a, a nice option as well versus the stern drive, where that metal lower unit, which is pretty big, like a Mercruiser or a Volvo, just sits in that salt water and you can't get it out. The outboards you can tilt up all the way. The the inboards have just that shaft, and there's not much that uh, is going to get damaged by the by the salt water. So, but again, depends on how you're going to use it as to which one you would recommend.
1: No, that's, that's, those are good, all good points. Um, I've owned inboards, I've owned outboards, and uh, I'll say with the inboard, I know how to work on a 350, so it was a 350 inboard, no problem. However, like I say, back to the whole more stuff to go wrong, you know, with those seals, I had a seal leak where it was, and we almost sank the boat. And, uh, you can't really do much about it. And then I also had it where the engine, there was a leak somewhere in that, uh, coolant and the, uh, water flow and it was filling up the boat. Um, and the bilge was just working the whole time.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And then what happens is the inboard is sitting there and your hole's filling up. So now it's salt water flushing around in the hull, splashing all over the thing. And once corrosion, well, just salt water in general. I mean, you know that. Like, once you put it in, it just starts corroding automatically. Yeah. So, <laughs> the minimal. And um, yeah, it was a, uh, you know, obviously what took, what like, was supposed to take like a month turned into like six months and completely pulling the engine out and doing all this stuff. And like, I'm not a mechanic. Uh, I had a buddy that I would call quite frequently. But, um, That was a lot. I mean, it was an older boat to be fair. It was an older boat, but I'll tell you what, having a a boat with those seals and depending on all those through holes to to hold up when they fail, they don't fail on land.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's in the water almost every time.
1: Yeah. So obviously like, you know, you're going and you feel that sluggish, that heaviness, and this has happened a few times at work too, where something's not right. And, um, You know, you need to, I guess that's leading into this. You got to pay attention to certain things when you're operating a boat. Like, so what are some things that you see that people should pay attention to that maybe they don't necessarily think about?
2: Well, when you're, when you're buying a boat, especially used, and I, I spend a lot of time on used on the, on the YouTube channel, because there's so many little things that you don't think about, like, Hey, if this water, if this boat has taken on water, that water may have seeped into some places. And if it was salt water, it started corrosion off in cracks and crevices and hit nuts and bolts that you didn't even know were there. Um, and, and it can cause some major problems. You got to know how to look for that stuff. Um, you know, you've got to know that you don't just look at the shiny exterior and say, oh, this is a beautiful boat. You got to stick your head down in, in cracks and crevices and uh, compartments and hatches and shake things and pound on things to get a sense for, uh, you know, you know, the, the tapping with the screwdriver trick, you know, you got to tap on the hull and the gel coat all around that boat to make sure that there's no water that's gotten in, which could turn a what looks like a perfectly great deal into a total nightmare that will make you say, you know, the best two days of a boater's life is the day you buy it and sell it. But, Yes, if you buy a crappy boat that you, you know, and that's that's where my channel comes in. And, you know, the type of knowledge that you have and and others in the industry share, um, it's if you do that research up front, you really increase your likelihood of having a better experience and finding a problem boat and avoiding it. um, Because what what looks like a great deal and and seems like, oh, my gosh, I got I got this boat for practically nothing. Could turn into the your biggest nightmare and the biggest money
1: pit, yeah, been there that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, you didn't find my channel soon enough, did you, Brett? no uh,
1: no, um, <laughs> I mean, I learned a lot, and i i yeah, I never want to be the guy that's like the first you know the happiest day buy it and the happy you know sell all that stuff because yep. I truly like most of us I guess love the water and um. If you're like you said, if you're doing that, then then just wasn't the right boat. It has nothing to do with uh, that's not boating. That's not what boating should be. And,
2: and, you know, again, being a being a boater since I was five, these aren't things that I just inherently knew. I had it happen to my family and and people that I knew uh, being in the industry and selling boats. I would talk to people all the time that made these mistakes and came to me and I learned from them we had a marine at the dealership so there was 500 600 boaters that I would talk to you know consistently and, and I would learn stuff from them and then going to a factory and actually seeing how a boat is made really is eye opening that there's a lot of stuff below the surface that you need to you need to find a way to inspect it to if you're buying a used boat new to a certain extent but that you're like oh now I see why that's so important. That if if this floor is soft, that's not just an easy fix. Or if the if the there's water getting in um, through one of those through haul fittings, and it's getting into the fiberglass and it's delaminating or and rotting from the inside out, it's better to know that before you write the check than afterwards. and And that's where I try to make these videos just to let people know because I want somebody that they buy a boat to absolutely love it and say. Holy crap, this is amazing. We're making so many memories and having such a good time. Um that that's why I put it out there.
1: Yeah. Uh salt water in the engine is another big one where it looks yes. like cream. That is like we've got problems. Because yep. like you said before, the corrosion process. Now you're gonna be buying a new motor at some point. Like, yeah.
2: Quicker. Yeah, than that's, a, that's another reason why I like outboards um in salt water a lot. Um, you know, the they are. If you do have an issue, you can replace them, but you don't have the same issue because that the power head of the motor is way up out of the water, um, and, and you don't have some of those things that can happen to inboards and to, to stern drives. So how about
1: so? How about diesels? Because I notice a lot of commercial guys use diesels, and just like uh, trucks, you know, diesels they have low RPM, they tend to last longer. Like, what do you think about
2: diesel engines? Uh, diesels are fantastic for bigger boats. Um, here's what a lot of people don't realize is a diesel engine new is probably four to five times more expensive than a gas engine, but they last 10 times longer. So the commercial guys, because they put, you know, a thousand hours on their boat a week, I mean, there's people on my channel that are like, yeah, I've got 5,000 hours on my boat this year already. Um, and they just work them all the time. And that's what diesels are perfect for. They're great for pushing big heavy loads at, at lower rpms um, but they're super expensive to buy new which means that if you know if I'm putting it on a 30 foot boat you know do I want to spend that money now and um, and get that advantage or am I going to opt for the gas that's why you typically about 35 to 40 feet in size is when you start to see it tip that you see more diesel on 40 and above. Um, and gas a lot of times on, you know, 40, 35 and below uh, because of that extra expense. But I, I love diesel in certain applications.
1: Like they get better fuel mileage too, as far as like, yeah, because they're just running low RBMs.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The the maintenance is, is um, a little bit different, but, you know, that the, the fuel consumption is going to be big. And then the longevity of the engine, you know, I, I like to say, a uh, thousand to fifteen hundred hours is kind of a useful life for a pleasure boating outboard or stern drive, you know, because people don't always take care of them as well as they should. And, and that's when they kind of you're going to start to see some major repairs and some failures. Um Diesels, I mean, or you got to rebuild them at like 20,000 hours or something like that. And, yeah. and then they've got another 20,000 hours left in them because they the way they the way they operate, lower RPM and and. um it's just a, a different setup
1: no that's interesting so you say like i was going to ask you this actually about engine hours because i always thought it was like 1500 growing up like around that and then some of the guys told me i think the at a boat expo they were saying like 3000 now and i'm like it, so what do you have you noticed over the years like
2: well here here's the thing is if you're a if you're a professional captain You're a charter captain or you're running a ferry and you're running that and putting, you know, five hours on a day on that engine. That means that, you know, every four weeks you're changing the oil, you're putting a new impeller in, you're putting new gear lube in, um, and that boat is getting serviced all the time. Yeah, you can run that Yamaha or Mercury, Suzuki, whatever it is for three, four, five thousand hours because you're on top of it. The reality is with pleasure boaters, you know, around here, freshwater lakes, 50 hours a year is, you know, about average on the coast. If you're a wake surfer, you know, you might put two, 300 on because you're always running. If you're on the coast, you may put a hundred on or so. If you're doing offshore fishing and you're, you're making 20, 30 miles runs out, maybe you do a hundred, 150, 200 a year, but it's still that boat sitting more than it's running. And, Engines want to run. They they do better when that oil is is being lubricated through the system and all of the components are working and getting exercised. Um, but the pleasure boater doesn't use it that way. And the pleasure boater also says, "I could probably get another year out of this oil before I do an oil change, or before I change my impeller, or before I change my gear lube." Um, and they, not lack of maintenance, but the not the consistency of maintenance causes them, in my opinion, to that 1,500 hours, I think, is still a, a good mark on a pleasure boat. Um, but but the engines themselves, they're breaking down because of they're not getting maintained properly. It's not because the engines are failing. Uh, it's more about user maintenance.
0: Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand presents Saturdays at 8:30 PM Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.
1: Uh, but no, that's a good point. Um, <clears throat> that actually brings up another another kind of topic of like co-boat owners, right? Like like anything co, like a partner, you got to be really careful who you choose to go into. Because like like you said, the lifestyle, what you want, like eighty percent of what you guys are gonna do, and right now with our boat, there's three of us, and for example, and they we all fish. Well, just because life happens, the guys got busy. Both of my partners, and they're good guys. They got um, we have no issues really with the ownership stuff, which is great. But they got busy like deployments and all this other stuff, and so this year, this summer, I think. Uh, out of a hundred hours, I think I put 90 hours out of those hundred on there. So like I'm on the hook for the maintenance, which is fine. Um, but like, if I, I I think about what you said, if I didn't take that boat out, it would have got ran, I think twice in four months or five months and stuff gets gummed up. Like you said, lubrication, uh, carbon buildup and just sitting there, salt, not like whatever salt is in there. It's going to sit there and crystallize yep. uh, the humidity. I mean, just whatever it is. Uh, imagine your car. Like I, I try to drive this home too with my car when I would go on deployment and I'd come back. And if my wife didn't drive it at all, you know, like the engine's dead or, or the, uh, the battery's dead. And then you start that thing up and it's like a rough little idle. I mean, it's got some miles on it, but the point is you just would never do that with your car, right? So it's like, why, why is a boat so much different than your car? Well, think about it. Like you guys aren't, we're not running it.
2: It, Yeah. It's sitting and it's sitting in a incredibly harsh environment. I mean, you've got humidity, you've got salt, you've got dirt and corrosion. Now you let all that oil drip out of the, out of the head of the motor. It, well, guess what? It's going to start rusting up and over time it could seize. You've got your bilge pump, a very important safety thing that. It hasn't been exercised in a year because it just hasn't been used the switches the everything needs to be used on a boat um, and when it's not used that's why people say, "Oh, this boat you know it's a three year old boat and it's got ten hours on it I'm like that's great, but just make sure everything works or it's a ten year old boat and it's got a hundred hours on it. I'm like you're probably going to have some maintenance stuff that you would have never expected. I would rather have a boat that's kind of hitting that average use mark for your area um up until you know 800 hours now i'm starting to get like all right i got to plan for maintenance it's okay but just plan that you're going to have to put a few thousand dollars of, of maintenance stuff to get that engine where it needs to be just if you look at the manual you got to do this stuff and um and it costs money if you can't do it yourself but um yeah that that's still the number i use to this day is is that 1000 to 1500 uh, is where you know you, you're gonna have some major stuff happening, if not a, a catastrophic event,
1: <laughs>
2: which you don't want
1: <laughs> now. Um, so the other thing too is people don't think about gasoline goes bad, right? So Absolutely. you got a full tank of gas now, you got to drain that, and stuff's been sitting in the engine, like there's still you know, and uh, so. Those are all things that I guess people forget about. And I, and I even think about in our own boat, like if I wasn't using it, so it's out there for four months with a full tank and we all fill it up after every time. So what we did is, uh, in the, in the, um, in the winter time where I'll still dive and they just fish, I'll dive on some d- deeper reefs around here to just saying like diving shape or whatever. But, uh, I, I tell them, I'll just let them, let them know, Hey, I'm not going to fill it up. Um, so if you need to use it, let me know, and I'll just Venmo you the money, because I'd rather run through the whole cycle of fuel before it's for two months. Um, yeah. So those, I guess, those little things. But what are what are like? So I tell people personally, and I, I'm just curious to get your opinion on it. Like when they go to look at a boat, I always say like, "Hey, make sure." the engine is like the biggest thing because that's the most expensive part of it. Yes. Make sure the engine's good to go. Now. um, Like there are other things like the hull and you know, all that stuff. But like, what would you say are probably like your three, like, I guess we kind of talked about it, but three most important things to consider. Like when you, when, if someone were just to call you and be like, Hey, I'm looking at this boat, like what, walk them through, like what they would do.
2: So, like I said, I've got the toolkit that goes through everything. It's like 25 pages that they can get for free. But um, so the first thing that when you walk up on the boat is just inspect it from the outside and bang on the hole, um, the outside of the boat, everywhere that you can, just with your fist. Uh, and then take a take a screwdriver with you and tap on the hole around any through fittings, uh, around the transom on the back of the boat. Uh, around by the lower unit or where the motor's mounted, if it's an outboard. Um, what are they
1: and, listening? What are they listening for?
2: So, if you think about like, if you hear that tap sound, you're hitting a hard, you know, gel coat is like a a hard acrylic almost, um and, and you want to hear it. It kind of the screwdriver bounces back, and you hear that nice ting, ting. When you hear a thud, thud, that means that water's gotten in there, and. um maybe not walk away, but now you know. So I always say, I want to find everything that's wrong with that boat, so I can make a smart decision if I want to deal with it, what kind of price I'm willing to pay for it, or do I want to walk away. Um, So when you're banging, you're listening for, is it solid? When you're you're tapping, you're listening for that kind of, you'll know it when you hear it kind of sound. Like you go from a nice, Tap, tap, tap to a thud, 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 and it's more hollow sounding. Hollow sounding bad. So that's number one. Now you can find, all right, we got a major issue here, which, you know, could make this boat worthless very soon. Um, Next, you go in and you check the flooring, Uh, especially if it's an older boat, is the floor solid? You kind of hop up and down on different areas, put some pressure, and you want to make sure it's nice and solid feeling. Um, now you know the structure of the boat is pretty solid and then you move to the motor. You're you're 100% right on a, you know, a $20,000 boat, the motor's probably 8 to 10 grand depending on exactly what it is. You know, that's half of the value of the boat on a used one. Um so what I want to do is if I'm not mechanically inclined, um before I write that check, I may want to even hire a mechanic to come out and look at it. Spend you know, uh, an hourly rate probably a hundred dollars an hour. Spend, um, you know, maybe even two hundred in your area, hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars to get a little insurance that mechanically the boat sounds. Um, that would be the next thing, and then I'll add a bonus one here. I would never buy a boat unless I put it out on the water and I was able to run it for twenty, maybe even thirty minutes, and do the in the the Toolkit. There's a demo checklist, you know, put it in gear, put it out of gear, do run over some rough chop. How does it sound? Run it wide open throttle for a minute or two. Does it keep up? Um, you know, come back on the throttle. How does it sound? Um, and if if you don't feel confident with it, you know, hire somebody to go out there with you, maybe a surveyor, which is more about the structure of the boat or a technician, which knows the mechanical components of a boat and, um, those would be the big things the the on water running it it, to me is just it's non-negotiable uh if you're buying a a used boat especially
1: yeah i didn't do that and the first time i took it out i noticed there was salt in the engine and the thing fell on its face when i gassed it and there was a leak in the engine like water in the system there was a bolt missing in the head i don't know what was that and it was just coming out and so yeah the I mean, I didn't spend a lot of money on it, but yeah, all those things p- would have been like my friend who's a mechanic said, uh, this boat's got some problems.
2: Yeah. And yeah. then
1: immediately it was like, Hey, let's go fishing to, okay, we're going to be down for a year fixing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, i
2: money. And, and that's not how you want to start your experience out. Now, if you go into it and you do all these inspections up front, like I say, I want to, my philosophy is I want to know everything that's wrong with this boat. Um, So if I buy it, I know what I'm going to fix, what I'm not, have an idea of the cost, what I want to spend on it, and if I should walk away. Um, And I helped a buddy of mine buy a, he got a $22,000, $23,000 used chaparral for a freshwater boat. He had one, a Sea Ray, the 240 Sun Deck, which is an awesome boat. Um, We had the, I hired a buddy of mine to go out and do the mechanical inspection. I was there to do the demo ride with them to do that sea trial. And I said, listen, James, walk away from this boat. Like, yeah, you you gave, you gave Max, you know, 200 bucks to do his inspection, but walk away from this boat because you're going to be just a, a disaster waiting to happen at some point. He was like, are you sure? It's really nice. Like, yeah, just walk. Like, walk away, spend your $200 of insurance. And, you know, we found another boat that was just as nice, but it didn't have those issues that would have been nickel and diming him and you know, causing his wife to be all mad that the first time they went out, it didn't run, and they, you know, they, they didn't get to enjoy the boat the way they want to. Um, and you don't have to be an expert. There's plenty of knowledge out there that people are sharing these days with YouTube, with podcasts, that you can, you can learn enough to find 80% of the issues and say, all right, these boats are out because I can tell they're out. Um, and then when you get time to write the check, now bring in a professional and spend some money to make sure that that ten thousand, twenty thousand, hundred thousand dollar investment is a one that you're going to be happy with spending.
1: Yeah, no, um, <clears throat> I think everybody has those stories, you know, um, and we learn through failure, uh, which is where we are today. Why we're so knowledgeable because it was yeah. a total shit show earlier on. <laughs> um, I tell everybody my favorite boat I ever had was a 16 foot aluminum with a 30 horse because the maintenance on that thing was virtually nothing. I filled it up with water at the fresh water, sprayed it down, flushed the engine, put it away, and it was fine. Yep. Um, and if it sank, I was out like, you know, whatever. Like, okay, cool. <laughs>
2: um,
1: you know what I mean? It it wasn't and it was so cheap to run, although you're limited to what you're doing, but I mean I could go to the kelp beds in in no time at all for 20 bucks, not even 20 bucks of gas. Um But I guess going so the last topic I think we should discuss is operating, like parking a boat. That's the other thing. (laughs) Um, People don't understand that are brand new. They've never been on a boat before. Don't understand the boat characteristics, I guess, as far as like the more gas you get, the tighter it turns. However, the more, you know, disastrous it could be at impact. Um, Do you have any tips on that?
2: Yeah, I, I put a whole program together for, you know, I, I put the information out there on the YouTube channel for boat buyers and, and help them with the toolkit and stuff and the U.S. Boat Expo. And then I, I had people saying, you know, do you, can you find me somebody to teach me how to run my boat? Um, so I put together a, a program at um, best bestboatcaptainonthewater.com that um, I go out. But here are some big things is one, a boat doesn't drive like a car. It seems like it should be the exact same thing. There's there's two big principles that you need to understand. And um, in that program, I kind of walked through a building block process. But the first one is you're on water. It, you're always bobbing and moving and the wind is going to get you, the tide's going to get you, the current's going to get you. And there's no moving in a straight line on a boat. You have to be kind of flexible. And every time you pull into the same slip, it's going to be different. Number two is, you steer from the rear of the boat. It's not like having your two tires on land and you pull into a parking spot and the rest of your car just follows you. You actually, when you steer in a boat, you pivot more than just drive. Um, once you figure out those two things and then you learn how to put the inputs in of throttle and steering to make the boat do different things, Once you get those three concepts down, you've really got total control of your boat. Um, I I teach in the building blocks I start with, here's the throttle, and here's what all the buttons do, to in gear, out of gear, all the way up to spinning your boat in a circle within the length of the boat, essentially. Once you get that level of control, you're pretty good to dock, to put it on the trailer, um, and, and... it just makes boating so much more enjoyable. Um, you know, you've probably seen the the stories of a you know qualified captain or oh, know, I love that. <laughs> I love that. that stuff. Everybody it, loves they, that. Yeah, they don't know how their boat operates, and if you just spend a little bit of time when you first get out in the water and you learn your boat and you know some of those fundamentals, um, like I said, that I, I show them in eight building blocks. But now all of a sudden you've got total control of your boat. And that last five minutes of your day isn't cussing at your wife and you know getting all angry and frustrated and dinging up your boat and causing a thousand dollars of damage. It's oh we had a great time on the water. We come back, we put it in the slip, put it on the trailer, whatever, Um, and the day ends on a a positive note as well. Right,
1: and it's funny because that uh, that applies to any boat. You know, jet drives are obviously different, Um, but any size boat like. I was, I've said it before, my son started working at the fuel dock, uh, and he's like seen some qualified captain. Oh, <laughs> with,
2: I it, yeah.
1: yeah. With some beautiful yachts, like 50, mm-hmm. 60 feet. And the guy just puts a hole right in the side. Cause he just, you know, kind of panicked. And the biggest rule I tell everybody, if you just go slow, like it's just a minimal damage, like just go yeah. slow. Yeah. Um, if you freak out and gas it, we're going to start putting stuff through the hole. Like, um, Yeah. And then, so I guess it's such an interesting thing, driving a boat because um, every boat seems to respond a little differently. All the throttles are slightly different. Like, and and you have to understand when you jump on somebody else's boat or or you're learning, like just go real slow because every characteristic is different. Like driving a twin hole. um, When you go to crank that thing, it steers like a car and it'll send you out the side of it. Like, um, and then it was, <laughs> it's funny at work, we have jet drives, like 11 meters, uh, jet drives. And I was driving, this was Monday on Sunday, I went out fishing and I was driving my outboard, my twin outboards and my, I was doing a checkout with my boss on this, on the jet drive. And I jump on it. And for about like, I don't know, 30 seconds there, I forgot how to drive. I was, I was driving it like an outboard he's like uh, i thought you said you looked at my buddy he's like i thought you said he was good to drive you know and i was like oh god oh god it's like 10 seconds of like panic uh even though you're not supposed to panic I'm like why the hell oh, oh okay and um yeah those jet drives are are i've never actually had a like uh the cdu jet drives or any of those things like a okay jet. we have our you know military dual cummings diesels jet drives um with the uh the name of the brand of the jet drive but that thing like you can put that thing anywhere but Mm -hmm. um i tell people just like every boat's different when you go to pick stuff up with a jet drive it's pushing water
2: like oh yeah
1: so you anything you try to pick up like if you're driving to pick up a, a, a skier or anything you know they could be getting blown away from the boat depending on how you're crabbing over one way or another so i try to get it and the bow get close and then move forward slightly. But there's like all these little things that we say, go out there and throw a, a a life ring in the water and just practice picking it up, like practice, picking it up. If you have, you know, jet drives are nice. You can just, just literally pivot around the thing. That's always cool. Um, you know, if you have a 50 cal on the front, that's even cooler, but, <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, like it's your boat, so just go out and and play with it in a safe environment, like a lake, uh, a back bay where there's not a lot of traffic, yeah, and and do it where it's forgiving, like <laughs> like uh yeah. So I guess that's just the sum sum it
2: up. And, One of the I when I sold boats, so we sold Yamaha jet boats at Boston Whaler, uh, pontoon line, Sea Ray. Um, so I would, on one day I could run a 19 foot jet boat, a 25 foot pontoon, a 38 foot twin engine, um, sea ray and a little, uh, skiff. And so one of the first things I would do is I would, you know, get out in the, a little bit of open water and just get comfortable with the throttle. How does it shift? Get out a little further. How does it steer? Um, it's what I teach in the best boat captain on the water training is after we go through the building blocks. The last one is go find a a plastic no wake buoy, uh, if you can, somewhere in a secluded cove, a back bay, and now practice like you're docking. Practice like you're pulling it onto the trailer, and use that as your point of reference. If everything goes, you know, it's a shit show, um, you're okay. You know, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're gonna you're gonna hit the buoy, and you're gonna be like, oh, don't do that again. Um, But that practice, like you said. Do it in a safe environment. Do it where there's not much wind, there's not much current. Have a point of reference. I think that's that's helpful, whether it's, you know, something that you're not going to run over and get caught in the prop or anything, but in a, a buoy works well. And man, it's amazing how quickly you can come along with your skills when you go through those building blocks, you do that practice on a buoy, and now, you know, you don't have to, you're not going to end up on qualified captain. You're not going to have... Brett's son, seeing you at the fuel dock, you know, being embarrassed. You don't want to be embarrassed out on your nice boat. Um, And so just take that time, you know, get some training, whether it's to hire a captain locally, uh, something online, and then go out and practice on your boat because it's going to be different than any other boat you run.
1: Uh, That's 100%. I guess this would be the last topic if that's okay with you.
2: Yeah, I, I'm good. I don't have to pick my daughter up from school for another hour. So
1: okay, i always
2: happy to talk boats.
1: No, it's uh, you're in the same boat. I am literally nice and figured it <laughs> um, So as far as you mentioned, whaler, right? Boston whaler. And I think about Boston whaler and I know like, well, those are expensive boats. Right. And then you have bay liners. Right. And it's not so expensive. What from a manufacturer standpoint, why, or, or what is the difference in manufacturing? Or why do some boats cost more than others? And yeah. is it worth it? It,
2: it, it depends. The, does Is it worth it? Depends. And I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. But so I went to the spring. I went to the Greenville, South Carolina Boat Show, which is an inland lake area, and the Charleston, South Carolina Boat Show, which is a coastal, um, they're right on the coast. And I inspected... Um, probably 50 pontoons uh, and 50 center consoles of uh, Boston Whaler being one of them and a 18 foot center console could be 40 grand or it could be 60 grand. Like where it, it, you look at it, you like, where is that $20,000 difference? Um, it's in the construction and the little details, the amount of material, the type of materials in their build process. So I've actually, I created two videos from that, that research one's on pontoon, one's on center console. And I walk through how the boats are made each version. So we'll do center console. That one's dropping, I think in a couple of days here on the 12th, Um, it may be out when this podcast goes live, but so the first thing they do is they lay the gel coat. Then they lay the fiberglass. It's called the lamination schedule. Um, They build the top and the bottom and they put them together. Uh, And so you can't, everything that is in that $20,000 90% 90% of it is hidden. You can't see the differences. Uh, it's the amount of fiberglass and the thickness of the hull, which is going to mean more weight, a more comfortable ride, uh, safer in really, really bad conditions. Um, the hardware that they use, are they using 316 stainless? Or are they using 306 stainless? 306 is cheaper, but it's going to rust and corrode quicker and easier. 316 is still going to rust and corrode over if you don't take care of it, but it's gonna be more durable. How do they mount their hardware? Are they just screwing it through the fiberglass and and mounting it? Or are they building a back plate into the lamination schedule where I know a cleat's gonna go here, I know a through hole's gonna go here, and now it's mounted into something solid that's layered in the fiberglass. Um, The wiring, are they, you know, if you look at the wiring, and I showed pictures of all this in the videos, um, if you look at a whaler wiring, and then you look at a, I'll say Trophy. That's a Bayliner center console um, cousin. You look at the wiring harnesses and the way they do it. You can tell that, you know, Bayliner um, or Trophy is going to just have all the wires go in um, Boston Whaler. Everything's going to be heat shrinked. Every there's not a, a a connection that's not protected from the salt environment, the air, the water, um, and the cheaper brands. No, well, it's not the same. And you have to kind of see them both like side by side to notice it um, and, and know to actually look back in that stuff and look where the where the wiring is. Um now with that said, so that's gonna give you uh, you know, it's like the difference between uh riding in a Mercedes and riding in a Kia. They're both safe cars, you know. They're Mercedes may be a little bit safer, but the ride different, you know. They're it's the same thing with the boats. On the flip side, we talked about that the motor is about fifty percent of the value of a used boat. Not the same, probably thirty percent on a new boat. But a Bayliner um, or Trophy and a Boston Whaler both have the same one hundred and fifty Mercury outboard on the back. Um, so the power is the same. It's just more about the durability, the ride, and then personal preference. For a certain point, um, I wouldn't. My my father in law. Wouldn't be caught dead in the Kia. Um, you know, he bought a Cobalt. That's the boat that he bought. When I was like, yep. "That's what you need to get." You're going to be, you're going to be unhappy in virtually anything else. Um, I my other friend had a Bayliner. They boated on inland lakes. He just wanted something to tool around with his young family. He was more than happy with that Bayliner. Sold it. Cost you know, ran it for five years. Cost him a thousand bucks. You know, plus maintenance and the the little bit of money you put into it. So it's, I don't think there's a, a good or bad, I think, know the difference. And and there is a difference in that 20 grand, know what that means. And then you decide based on how we're voting, based on my personal preferences and my budget, what's important.
1: Now that's a, that's a really good, those, those are all good things too, because I've seen it where like, you mentioned trophy cause I remember when I'm young as well, trophy. Okay. But I know enough about what you're talking about, the manufacturing process because my, my, very good friend uh his family owns centurion boats okay yeah and they sold it but he told me about you know when you've got a two-part you put it together you want one that's a solid part and then like you can really feel the difference between being on a twin v um cat and uh world cat or you know they feel heavier which gives you you know not as good gas mileage but they are solid yeah and, and that's like a Parker versus, you know, a trophy or whatever it is. But like, you can tell when you get on the boat, the, uh, like you said, the attention to detail and the materials they use. Um, yeah. And if you're using it for a lake, just to go out with a family, uh, you can always upgrade.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, in my mind these days, there's not a boat that a brand that I would be scared to have somebody on like safety wise. Right. Um, so safety wise, I, I think we're through the days of the bay liners where you could, you know, pound it with your fist and your your hand would go through the, the fiberglass because it was so thin and it was chop gun. I think um, we all
1: have heard those horror stories, too. I remember as a kid, I've never seen that. But I remember like putting a hole in the hole, like a wave hits it and sinks the thing.
2: Yeah. 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 That, that used to be the case. But manufacturing has gotten so good and, and you know, the technology is coming along. That they can build a rock solid hole, even if it is thinner than you know what you would find in a Grady or a Parker or a, a whaler, you know, pursuit, whatever. Um it's still a good safe product that I wouldn't be scared to be out on it. Um now, with that said, the ride's gonna be different, the feel's gonna be different, and you have to figure it out for yourself. But so what I did with these videos is I, I took pictures and video of all of the boats that I inspected and, and I just put them together and I went brand by brand and said, let me show you the things that I liked and I didn't like. So now you can take that, not that I'm promoting any brand, but now you can take that information and when you go look at a new or used boat, a brand I reviewed or not, you'd be like, oh, Captain Matt showed this and talked to why that was important. And now you can take that knowledge and do your boat shopping and make a smart decision for you and your family and your, your money, you know, make a smart investment.
1: That's a useful tool. And like you said, the toolkit and all that stuff on your, on your website, that sounds like that would save you a lot of money, but also just really useful. I mean, like I, like I'll probably go and uh, go, go
2: grab. Yeah. Go yeah. grab it. And I do have, um, I've got a first time boat buyers Academy too, which goes way deep into all this stuff and walks through seven steps, but I'll send that to you for, Um, just for having me on the podcast as a thank you, Uh, but here's, I get emails all the time and comments on my YouTube channel all the time from people that either say, Hey, I watched this and you helped me avoid a costly mistake. I was going to go down the path to buy a um, OMC stringer drive on a 30 year old boat. That seemed like a great deal. I watched your video and now I'm walking from it and I got other ones that say, I listened to your information before I started shopping. And we love our boat. We took the best boat captain training and we can run it and we're safe and we're having fun and it's easy. Um, and we learned a lot on how to operate it properly. Uh, and, and I love, I mean, it is so much fun. And you probably get the same thing. You introduce somebody to this lifestyle, to spearfishing and to diving. And you're like, I just made an impact on their life forever. Like forevermore, they're going to have these experiences and these memories. And it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that. I always say like using your power for good. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Learn like knowledge is power, right? Like, so you learn all this stuff, and uh, you can only shoot so many fish and shoot so many different kinds. For it's like, yeah, I don't get the same. You know, I obviously I like to eat fish, but I don't get the same. It's not about. I don't get the same satisfaction as putting a brand new guy, a brand new girl, whoever, on a fish or a kid, and they shoot it like that is you're like really making an impact. Oh God. Yeah.
2: Yep. It's the same thing. Like water sports, teaching somebody to ski, teaching somebody to drive the boat, whatever. Right. But, um, you know, I, I do have some programs that you have to spend money on, but I've got a crap load of free stuff on the YouTube channel and the podcast that, um, that will, anybody can value from, or just some people watch it for entertainment, which I find funny. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it is, it's such a big part of your life, you know, for you introducing the kids to it and introducing your friends and family to it. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's one of the best things you can do with your family for what the world needs right now, like better family relationships, better friend relationships, Hundred percent. less, uh, you know, less Fortnite and, and, um, and, uh, being on screens. So
1: amen to that, amen to that hundred percent, um, yeah. So uh, where, just to say it again, where can everybody find your stuff? Like how do we get in contact? So
2: let, yeah, over 200 videos at Boat Buyer's Secret Weapon. Um, most of them, and there's some articles at BoatBuyersSecretWeapon.com. Just go there, check it out. There's some playlists. Um, you know, we have over 20,000 subscribers. So if you enjoy it, subscribe. We'd love to have you. I try to respond to all the comments. Um, it, it's getting it's getting a lot these days, but uh, I, yep, but I, I yep. love and you probably have the same experience, Brett. Is I love building the relationships with people on my podcast, uh, Boat Buyer Secret Weapon. I interview first time boat buyers like that are shopping and just try to answer their questions. Um, and it's just to me, it's so cool to just hear the excitement of them getting into this whole new lifestyle. So go check all that out if you want to be a guest on the podcast and you're shopping. Um, that would be, that would be pretty cool too. to, I don't know anything about spear fishing. (laughs) I can't help Uh, you there, but I can, I can answer some questions for you.
1: No, it's a, it's a good point. I actually was thinking about doing that, have a brand new person ask questions because I figure they probably are asking the same questions that a lot of people just don't even know to ask, you know?
2: Yeah. there, that thought is going through everybody that's thinking about getting into spear fishing and you have that conversation with them. Um, and one, it's enlightening for you because you're like, Oh, I didn't realize that. And now you can make even better content for them. And two, you just help, you know, 500 people that had that same question. And now they're going to have a better experience because of that. And, you know, I would say we do this all for the money, which it's, you got to feed your family, but to know that is like, to know you helped somebody and you made that impact is is pretty darn cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, I. I don't, I'd be broke right now, but I don't, if I did it for the money, I guess <laughs> I shared something one time a guys like, you're just doing it for a clicks or something. And I was like, uh, if I was doing it for clicks, I'd be like out hunting for food. I would just have, money yeah. and then I would stop my regular job. Like, um, but really it, you're, I think you're exactly right. it just feels like you're some sort of karma, like equity that you're getting, but also just helping people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's the same reason why I coach football, the impact that you have on these kids, you yeah. know, and, 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 um, you know, you get out of everything, right. Which you you get what you put into it. So it's like, if I go around my own community here, I see kids surfing all the time that I coached, I see kids, you know, and it's just such a cool experience to be able to like, I remember my coaches like, Oh, you know. absolutely. Yeah. And, and how, it's just how like, old
2: are your, how old are your kids by the way?
1: Mike will my son will be 16 in a couple of days. And then uh, my daughter's 14 and my youngest is 10. Okay. And the kids I coached are all like, you know, freshmen, sophomore. Yeah. Knuckleheads. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> my I girls mean, are, my girls are seven and 10 and I, I coach my, my oldest one's a dancer, but my youngest one's the, she's the athlete. So I've volleyball, soccer, baseball, um, basketball. And um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I love that stuff too. It's, for us connecting the way we did, it seems like we've got an awful lot in common as yeah. far as beliefs and lifestyle and, and principles of life.
1: Well, and I think there's a ton of other people out there. You just don't hear about it, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah I just, yeah, you're, you know, if everybody just gave a little bit, we'd all be doing pretty damn good, you know?
2: Uh, Agreed. I know. Well, I, I would love to, Brad, I would love to have you uh, come on my podcast and talk spearfishing. Um, oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that would be cool. So, so we'll definitely do that in the next uh, handful of weeks here.
1: Yeah, we could talk about like what I look for in votes for like my recreational activities. Yeah,
2: it, exactly. It's yeah. it's so every region and every voting lifestyle has something different. Um, it is funny it,
1: cuz it's true. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. It's yeah. um, you know, what what, one, what works in one area doesn't work in another, and it would be great to have your uh, your knowledge and experience as well.
1: Oh, it's great. It's a pleasure to be on the pleasure to be on the show. And thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming on my show too.
2: Yeah. Th- this is, this has been a blast, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Take care. All right. Okay.
1: Hey, that concludes the show for today. Thank you, Captain Matt so much from the boat buyers, secret um, for being on the show and sharing some of the knowledge with us. I hope you guys listeners found some of the, um, information useful and if you have further questions, you can um, either email me or um, at, on our website, spearfactor.com, or on Facebook, uh, Spearfactor's Facebook group chat, or also just reach out to Captain Matt uh, directly at boatbuyerssecretweapon.com. All right, guys, take care.